You're listening to the Finishing Strong Podcast, a lifestyle podcast for men who want to thrive in the third quarter season of their life, but need a sustainable plan. I'm your host, Steve Poniotu, and my life has been dramatically changed and influenced by some of the most knowledgeable and thoughtful people in their respective fields. I want to share these ideas and people with you, and perhaps they can do the same for you. Growing old doesn't have to suck. Join me as I'm finishing strong. Hey, thanks for listening. Today, my guest is Ben Burns, and Ben Burns is a a marriage and family trainer. He uh, he he trains people on the weekends, often traveling all over the country for um, family life. And I'm going to allow Ben to give his little bio here in a second, but I want to also say that he has been my friend for probably 20, 28 years, something like that. And we, uh, we met in seminary up in Portland and, and we were actually in a small group together, uh, of friends, the Ha'akim, we called it. And we would go to the coffee shop and talk about life and we did life together for four years and we've been friends ever since and he's he's been amazing to me um encouraging and and um at times uh really uh somebody that tried to hold me accountable even when i was rebellious and i appreciate that Ben, welcome to the show. Well, it's nice to be here, Steve. And uh, man, it's great to <clears throat> kind of walk through that history as well, you know, especially as we're talking about relationships and friendships and all levels of uh, connecting with other people. Uh, I was thinking about that too, man. We've had a real rich history, even though we live in different ends of the West Coast. It's been so fun to stay in touch with you and your your family and just see uh, your kids grow and get launched and just see your success. And yeah, so it's a real privilege to hang out with you, man. Great. Tell us about being a marriage trainer. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean you have to wear goofy clothes, you know, like a, a, a lot of spandex or anything. So I'm grateful <laughs> for that. Um, but the idea is that uh, my wife and I have done a lot of speaking and seminars on marriage and parenting. And what hit me was the idea that that all of these are relationships, whether it's with your children, or with your spouse or with neighbors or with other people. And there's a certain set of skills that we need to be successful in relationships. And uh, it started to hit me that because I, I have a, a kid who plays basketball and you, know, you have a son who's done baseball. And so you get the sports analogy. But, you know, if if a, if you have a kid in soccer and you know that soccer players have to have certain skills. And so when I'd ask parents in these parenting seminars, hey, what skills do kids need to play soccer? Well, they list them for me. And they don't even play soccer, but they know what kids have to do and where they have to practice to get better at um, soccer. And I asked him one time, what skills do you need to be a parent? And it was silent. It's like people didn't know what to say. They didn't they didn't know how to just list the skills. And it dawned on me that, you know, we need to have certain kinds of skills to be successful in relationships. And if we don't think we need those, then our relationships are going to suffer. And if we can learn how to practice certain skills, then our relationships are going to get better. So that's kind of the big idea. So it's helping marriages and parents and 
and even friends learn how is it to communicate to another human being? What is it about us as human beings that requires a certain uh, method of doing some conversation? Right. And and that brings us to uh, why we're doing this podcast. It's really targeted to, to men and, you know, I call the third quarter season of their life. And it's a, it's a really interesting time because um, we, we get to this place and we start wondering when we start launching our kids and, uh, you know, they go to college and then they're out. And then we're faced uh, looking at our, our wives and looking at our house and what we've done and, and all the things that we've spent time doing. And we wonder if, is this all there is? Or um, we start questioning that. And um, how does how does relationship enter into this? And, and how important is relationship to this? I, I use the analogy of, of um, it, it was it was used on me too, as far as career. And in and, and the, and the thought of leaning your ladder up against the right building and you walk you know for years you're climbing this ladder and you get to the top and you say oh shoot this is the wrong building and that's what some of us do in this season of life we we realize that we had our ladder leaning up against the wrong building and then what do you do about it can you right comment on that yeah, well, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think to, to stay with the analogy that I'm playing with and thinking about is that um, as we get older as men, we start to realize we've been playing the wrong game. And when we start to realize as our marriages get down the road, as our kids become teenagers and we feel less and less connection with them, and even our friendships, as our friends move away, as life gets busier, we start to think, man, I've been playing the wrong game. What's most important to me now is all my relationships, and they're not doing well. Interesting. And I've been playing the game of success or business or staying busy or building something or growing my reputation and all of those things guys are good at and we love to do, but we forget the major game, and that's the game of relationships. And, you know, it's, it's this idea that it's relationships that make our lives meaningful, that's really what makes our lives meaningful. Like when, when all, all of us, especially as guys, when we're in our deathbed, we're not going to want to say goodbye to our Harley. Right. You know, we don't want our Harley parked right next to our de- deathbed. We want those that we have relationship with. We want our spouse, our children, our close friends. And as we get older as men, and if we're not intentional about playing the game of relationships, we're going to be lonely. We're going to be isolated. We're going we're gonna to look to stuff that will make us happy that actually starts getting destructive. You know, the whole midlife crisis deal. Yeah. Cause we think that's the game and, and that's not the game. The game is relationships. And by the time we get older, it just shows that we have not been playing this game. Well, we don't know how to play this game, Interesting. Yeah, but that's the most important one. Yeah. That's what, our, that's what we need. I mean, uh, what is it? What is it that our, our, our needs are for men at this time? What are those greatest needs? Well, I think it's, to me, again, I just go back that it's it's still very basic. I mean, every human being needs to be loved and enjoyed. Yes. They, they want people to like them. They want people to hang out with them. They want someone to respect them. You know, whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, whether you're just a business guy, you, it, it, it's in the human heart to want to be loved and known and enjoyed. Right. So, again, it's that when we've built our life on all these activities, 
and we can't do them anymore because our knees are bad or we can't we don't have the budget or we've done this so many times we're bored what we're missing out is the, the our human heart that wants to be known by somebody who wants to hang out with somebody who wants somebody to know them and have those inside jokes with um so I think what happens is just as guys get older, they forget that. They forget. They don't remember how to stay close to somebody. They don't remember how to keep those relationships going. Um, and some of it's busyness of life, but some of it's, I think, just even the way we're wired. I think relationships can be harder for guys. Um, I think we try to find our significance as men in the things that we do instead of the people that we know. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we get older, we have to learn how to keep juggling both. It's, it's, I think in our earlier lives, it's all about, you know, our reputation and those things. And then all of a sudden we're in a major deficit when we get into our forties and fifties when it comes to relationships. So how is it that we can kind of keep the first things first, which are relationships and, and our success. So, um, I think it's a gradual fade. Don't you think, I mean, don't you think the guys just kind of get caught up in chasing the goal and, um, kind of wake up late in their forties and fifties and go, wow, like you said, the ladder's on the wrong side or I'm playing the wrong game. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, you, you wake up and, and you realize I don't have any really close friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've got a lot of acquaintances, uh, work people, clients, those kind of things, but where are my close friends? Where, where's the guy I can call up and say, Hey, let's go get a coffee and, and just talk mm-hmm. about whatever. Besides yeah. sports and, and the weather. Right. Somebody who really knows you, you know, it's like, that's what's been great about staying in touch with you. And, you know, I look around town, I've got nobody like you in town. I don't have that history. And so I have friends, but they're not the depth of friendship we have. Right. And so we forget to stay in touch. We forget to keep after things. We, we forget to stay connected. Um, and you're right. It's, it's just a harder job as we get older, but it's, it's really, like I said, what the human heart longs for and desires. And, um, and I, I think all of us know that, you know, we all know that relationships are important. You know, most guys want to have a, a, a close romantic relationship. You know, they know that if you have children, you want to be close to your kids. You know, when you go out for the weekend, you want to do something fun with people you like. Yeah. So we all innately understand that relationships are valuable. Um, we just kind of don't know how to do them. Right. It seems. And that goes back to, you know, what you mentioned earlier about skills. These are, mm-hmm. these are skills that we have to develop and, and work mm-hmm. on and we don't, and we wake up and, you know, in, in this season of life and you say, I want that, but I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting when we're talking about this. Um, and I've been to um, several, um, trainings on, on sales and, uh, mm-hmm. the, some of the skills that you learn in sales training are these kinds of relationship skills. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning them in the context of work, but not in the context of real life. And, and those mm-hmm. are going to be always, always, uh, you know, recognize, acknowledge your client. And, mm-hmm. and one of my trends, <laughs> one of my tricks uh, that I've learned and I, I, I teach my kids um, is ask about their family. People mm-hmm. like to talk about their family and, right. and, and especially their kids. And mm-hmm. so I, <laughs> I go in and, and, you know, ask about their family and ask about their kids. And then when you come back 
another time you make another call to them, you, you try and remember their kids' names and say, how are they doing? And mm -hmm. there's something innate about that, that people really like that. And they, mm -hmm. they, they like to talk about their kids and their, and their family. And it, it, it bonds you. It's, you know, it's that rapport building and that kind of thing we do. So well, we do that in, in, in the context of career, but are we doing it in the context of life aside from the career? Yeah, and, and I think the thing that, that you've hit so, again, so innately, you just figured out that when you ask people about family, they light up. Yes. You know, you experience that. <clears throat> well, you, you're talking about what's valuable to them, and what's valuable to them is relationships. And just the fact that you're trying to honor that and identify with that and value that, they feel appreciated. They feel like, wow, this guy's interested in me. He wants to know me. And again, that goes back to that core feeling that all of us want to be known and enjoyed. Um, and the, the part that's so funny, honestly, about it is how we treat strangers better than we treat those closer to us. Yes. And uh, I remember reading this parenting book called Between a Parent and Child by a, a therapist named Haim Gano. And it just stabbed me awake because he said, we treat our neighbor kids better than we treat our own kids. And he gave some examples of, you know, when a kid comes over and uh, to your house and it's rainy outside, he's kind of wet and he's making a little bit of a puddle and his shoes are a little muddy. And, you know, you don't scold him. You don't scream at him. You don't say, hey, what the heck are you doing here? And, you know, get those, get, get out of here and clean up. Your, you treat him politely. You say, hey, Bobby, you're kind of wet. Let me get a towel for you. And you, you're nice to him. Right. But when your kids do it, you yell at them. Yeah. And so it's just tricky for us. Um, but that's why I'm saying I think it's some of the same skills. You treat a stranger a certain way. And can we bring that home a little bit? But you you hit on just in your example, you know, what's going on in the human heart. And it, what, what's interesting is I think that most of us deep down inside are lonely. Mm. There's really something in us that wants to be connected in a in a consistent, loving, caring relationship and we just can't find that. We, we can't find that in the perfect spouse or the perfect kids or the perfect job or the perfect friend. But it's still something innate in us that wants to be known and loved consistently over time. And so when you ask that question of those, that, those um, sales in those sales situations, you're giving somebody an opportunity to share what's valuable to them to be heard and listened to. And that's, that's why they respond. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny in that context, too. It's we like to be recognized, our people like to be recognized, acknowledged and praised. Uh -huh. And it's it's really interesting when you start talking about, you know, friends and family and you you might point at a uh, picture on their wall and it's it's like um, this guy with somebody famous. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. I was uh, I saw, mm -hmm. you know, Sylvester Stallone at a restaurant and. Hmm. It was really neat. And here's a picture of him. And I go, wow, hmm. that's, that's really cool. We start hmm. to, there, there's something in us that, that wants to make us feel more important than we are. Right. And, and uh, you know, that, that picture on the wall or, oh yeah, my, my son played baseball with, you know, Bryce Harper and, and, hmm. oh, wow, that's, that's hmm. really cool. And hmm. there's something it's it's crazy here, here here's another example that that is really um important to me 
about about sharing and giving and that kind of thing. When we when we when we give or or we help somebody or we give, you know, there's a there's a guy on, on the on the corner that's begging for money, and you mm-hmm. give him something. What's the first thing that our heart wants to do? Our heart seems to me wants to tell somebody, "Hey, I just saw a, mm-hmm. a guy on the corner, and and I, I gave him a, I gave him mm-hmm. two bucks or whatever." Or mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm I'm supporting this person, uh, you know, at, at the rescue mission and and that kind of thing. There's something there that we cannot stop from telling somebody that we did something nice, you yeah. know. And we see yeah. that on 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 the news too, you know, man rescues dog, and <laughs> you know, and yeah. and here he is. And, and they got, you know, video of him and they're talking to him and everybody's praising him and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. something about us wanting to feel like we're, we're, we're more than w- what we really are. Mm-hmm. And, and I think of that, that, that desperate need for self-rescue or self-salvation to, to make mm-hmm. pe- people think that we're more important than we actually are. To, to bring mm-hmm. significance to our life. Can you speak yeah. to that for us? Well, yeah, I, I, I like the way you put it. And, and I, I kind of called it a little bit of loneliness, but it's also the idea of it's saying I matter. I matter. Everyone, yeah. Everybody wants to believe that they matter. Like, look what I did, whether it's rescuing, you know, a puppy or a kid from the jaws of an alligator or helping somebody on the street. We want to really believe that our lives matter. And it's interesting. We, we don't want to just say that they matter to our trees or our lawnmower or our cars. You know, our car doesn't really care if we wash it or not. It doesn't give us any recognition or praise, like you said. Right. It's, it's other people that we want to matter to. We want them to say, wow, that was nice of you. Or, man, what a hero. Or thanks for doing that. We want another person to say something to us. We want to matter to another person. Yes. And that's why it's so so intrinsic to, I think, how we're made as human beings. We're designed for relationship. And something's, something seems to be off because we're still craving it. It's like, we, it's like we can't get enough recognition from the people we know. And I think that's what happens, is, especially for guys, is we think that that recognition is going to primarily come from our accomplishments. Yes. And, and, and what we're really trying to do is we're trying to impress people with our accomplishments, but we get stuck more on the, the accomplishment side. And, uh, you know, sooner or later that just doesn't work as we get older, you know, cause people are like, so what, you know, you, you get this much money or so what there's people who are richer than you. And so what, you know, there's someone who can outscore you. And so what, you know, so that's where it comes back to, you know, how do we get that sense of meaning and purpose and value? How do we matter? We matter to the people that are closest to us. And that's the kind of the game that we need to be playing. And if we're not playing it, then we'll always be searching for some sense of um, being saved from my loneliness, being saved from my insignificance, right? Um, making myself matter when really I want to matter to somebody else. Yes, yeah. You know, it's interesting too. There's a there's a movement that I've seen um, that it uh, directly opposes what we've been kind of talking about. And there's a guy out there, um, Jocko Willick, hmm. and he, uh, he is a former Navy SEAL 
and he has a, a great uh, TED Talk out there and a bunch of YouTubes. And he is a guy that did make a mistake out on the field hmm. being deployed. And he was called in to, to the office and there was a, a group of officers uh, higher ranked than him and that called him in and said, hey, what happened on this, um, this procedure? And uh, he made a mistake. Somebody got killed. Uh, and uh, he, he said he t totally took ownership of it. And, he, and so he wrote a book about ownership, and it's called Extreme Ownership. And, and he talks about having this extreme ownership of what you do and not making excuses and looking yourself in the mirror and being totally real with yourself. And um, it's, it's, a, it's powerful. And, and many, uh, you should look up Jocko when you okay. can. He, yeah. He's a, a really interesting. And, and it, it seems like these, a lot of these Navy SEALs are, are, are coming out. And they're providing a lot of leadership. And they're doing a lot of corporate speaking to mm -hmm. corporations about various topics, but but he particularly talks about ownership and 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 really uh, taking accountability for what you've done. But the flip side to this is uh, when you do acknowledge that you made a mistake, you always come up with a solution mm -hmm. to remedy that mistake. And, and instead of him getting court-martialed or something like that, he had a solution to the problem and said, here's how we could do it better next time. And here's how I'm going to do it better next time. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it is really, really interesting. There's another guy that I, when you and I talked last week, uh, that I really liked too. And his name is David Goggins. Mm -hmm. He is another Navy SEAL and he has something similar that he uses or that he used when he was uh, a teenager he has an accountability mirror which is just in his bathroom it's just a regular mirror huh. but what makes him what makes this mirror special is when he stands in front of it he tells himself the truth huh and he he um in his book can't hurt me. He talks about this. He was, you know, as many of us do, we're putting on faces for everybody. And mm -hmm. uh, he was getting nowhere. He was a he was a loser. He was uh, just getting, uh, you know, beat up. And and he was trying to put on a face that that really didn't work for him mm -hmm. and was getting him nowhere until he came up with this accountability mirror and he every day he would go to that mirror and tell himself the truth about him mm -hmm. about how he is a loser and but um it's this vulnerability and accountability to himself to say okay this is where i am but i need to build on that to get better mm -hmm. and i think men don't want to look into that mirror, don't want to take ownership. And, and we put on this face for everybody and 
um, we're never we never get to that place where uh, we do look in that mirror and have a plan for the future. And I think, and 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 uh, you know, trying to come to the next step on this is yeah. how how do we make this pra- practical? Is is that kind of thing has got to be a part of our daily uh, plan yeah, is yeah. looking in that mirror and being vulnerable. Yeah. Speak to that. Ben. Well, I don't want a mirror like that, man. So I don't know if he's <laughs> telling them, but I, I don't want one of those in my house. Cause uh, it also tells me how I look and my, what's sagging and what's, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, right. But what I really like about what you said is just, I think both of these guys, it sounds like you're saying, recognize that as men, they've had to come to a place to say, I've got to own my reality. I've got to own my failure. I got to own my responsibilities. And, um, and what's interesting, it's like I said before, I think most guys understand this on one level. You know, they understand it with their business. They understand it with their car. They understand it with their investments, you know, but it's this area of relationship that it's, it's, no one wants to stand in that mirror to say, how am I really doing in my relationships? Because we don't, we don't want to say, you know what, if I'm really honest, I'm lonely. Because, you know, that's that's really that's really hard and scary to think about. It's like, well, why am I lonely? Why don't people call me? And it's it's not fun to think about, you know. And sometimes we feel like it's how much of that's in my control. You know, if you look in the mirror and say, gosh, I'm 10 pounds overweight, I can do something about that. Or, you know, I, I want to save for this boat. I can do something about that. But when you go, I'm lonely, you go, well, what can I do about that? It, it mm-hmm. feels like I can't overcome that. And to your point, I, I do think that there are things we can do. I think there's practical steps that we can do. Um, you know, I'm even thinking of my, one of my kids, um, their friend group has kind of imploded a little bit. And um, part of it was there's a dating relationship and that ended and uh, the dating relationship was kind of involved with these other people. And now that the dating relationship's over, all the other people don't know how to kind of, how do we see these folks that we're dating? And, and it's just kind of fallen apart. And so, you know, one of my kids has just kind of got no one to have lunch with, you know, they're, they're alone. They're all alone. Yeah. And we're trying to, you know, not just say, suck it up. You know, we're trying to identify that. Yeah, this is really hard. It is hard but trying to encourage them to realize what are some things you can do that will help you out of your loneliness and help move you in the direction of, of what really matters, which is reestablishing some relationships and finding some friends. And, but that takes work. It's kind of like, you know, uh, if, if someone wants to lose even 25 pounds, it doesn't happen in one day. And so similarly, if, if, you know, if there's a guy out there that's listening and it's going, man, I, I, I really wish I had some better relationships in my life. That's great. That's the first step is to acknowledge that you want to be a better friend or find uh, ways to be a better uh, person who can be in relationships better. Then, yeah, I think there are some practical things that we can talk about. You know, I think there's uh, um, I think one thing that comes to my mind, honestly, is to initiate more. I think that's just a very simple principle. Um, You know, you know when you feel lonely. So when you feel lonely, give somebody a call. You know, I, I remember I was, there was a guy I was talking to, I was in a, a moment where I was just having this big pity party because things weren't going my way and I wasn't getting certain recognition for things I was working hard on. And, you know, I was part of this rewrite uh, for a conference and, you know, I thought I was offering brilliant advice and just amazing insights. And it's like, nobody really noticed that or believed that or whatever. So I'm just kind of having this pity party and I just, I've done this before. I just kind of go down in a spiral 
And I've done this enough to know that this is going to go nowhere. You know, it feels nice for a little while to just kind of pity yourself and woe is me. But I thought, you know, I'm just, I know where this goes. I'm just going to stay depressed or I'm going to get angry. I'm going to take it out of my kids. And so, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to call somebody. I know somebody who's not doing well in this area of his life. So I'm going to call and I'm going to find out how he's doing. And what was interesting to me was just the idea that it took a choice to say, you know what, I'm going to initiate with this friend. I'm going to give him a call and I'm going to just hang out with him on the phone for a little bit and just talk to him. And what was interesting is that the initiation was more about reaching out to somebody else than just saying, I wish someone would call me. I wish someone would call me. I wish someone would call me. And even though it takes courage and it feels one-sided to be the one who initiates, what happens is it starts to become a conversation. So he and I were both talking with each other. He was asking me how I'm doing. He appreciated that I was reaching out to him. So I, I think one of the things we can remember is that we have the ability to initiate with people. We can call people. We can invite them to coffee. We can ask them how they're doing, you know, similar to what you did when you, you, you're meeting new clients. You take the initiative to learn about their life. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of that idea that sometimes you got to give to get. And I'm not saying this in a, you know, in a, in a manipulative way, but that's the way relationships work. You know, the more you reach out to people, the chances are you're going to find people who reach back. Mm-hmm. But it starts with initiation. So was that was that somebody that was uh, related to what you were working on, or totally unrelated? Totally unrelated. Just, I just yeah. I, I felt like I'm in a bad spot, and it came to my mind somebody else that I knew was in a bad spot, and I thought, well, I can either stay st- stuck in my pity party, or I can go initiate with somebody, and um, you know try to find out how they're doing. I can. I can take the focus off of my loneliness because that's the thing It's if, if people are just sitting around, I just want a friend. I just want a friend. I want just want a friend. We'll never get a friend. But if we go out and be a friend, the chances are greater that we're going to find people where there's some mutual interests, some mutual chemistry, but it's going to happen by us getting out there and initiating um, and asking yeah. those kinds of things. Kind of like what I'm saying with my, one of my kids, it's like, yeah, you got to keep working. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that thought that, um, when you're in a bad place mentally, physically or whatever, mm-hmm. go serve somebody, Yeah. go, go help somebody and get your, get your mind and your eyes off yourself. Right. And I mean, that's, so that's part of, I mean, that's what you're talking about with the initiation. Yeah. And I think what's hard for us as guys is that we, we want a quick response. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're working out, you want to get a quick cardio boost, you know, or you want to get a good sweat and feel like, wow, this really helped. And when we initiate, sometimes we can have a high standard that says, well, okay, I'm initiating and I've asked them three questions and they haven't asked me anything yet. So I'm done. (laughs) I'm, I'm out of here. And, um, you know, the thing is, it's, it's like, yeah, you keep working and it's just like, it's like, working out and going immediately to the scale and say, Oh, I didn't lose anything. It's not measurable. Well, that right. doesn't mean you stop doing it. It means you, you keep initiating. And I think for me, this is harder for, for new relationships. You know, we, um, you know, we go to church and we started, a, a, went to a new church about four or five years ago and it's, and it's a big place. There's a lot of people there and it's, it's a lot of work to meet guys and, uh, you know, um, just to try to talk to them afterwards. Uh, after a service or they're running to get their kids or 
you know, what do you talk about? Like you said, talk about family, you know? So I, I've, I've done that and I've reached out to guys and guys kind of don't read back to me, you know? And so now I've initiated some like, okay, I'd like to get to know this guy better. So a two minute conversation after service isn't going to work. Let's grab some coffee or go to lunch. So I've done that. And I'd say over the last four or five years, I've done a lot of initiating and there's times that, to be honest, it's really sucked. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Right. But I'm at a spot now where, man, I know about at least a dozen to 15 guys and it's so much more easy. You know, we've been invited into this little small community because I'm, I already know three of them, you know, and it's just yeah. the idea that it's initiating and I'm in a much different place than I was five years ago. And if I would have just five years ago said, well, no one's talking to me, this place is horrible, then I'd miss out. So we, we got to own our need for relationships and initiate with people take some chances. I think there's some, some excuses that we put in our mind to, oh, yeah. to, to, to not do that. Mm -hmm. What's that guy going to think if I come up to him and start talking, mm -hmm. thinking that I, you know, might be gay or, mm -hmm. or, um, what's he going to think, you know, what is, you know, cause everybody thinks, Oh, what does he want right. from me? You know, it's always a, that kind of thing. And we put these things in our minds. And so we say, ah, forget it. I don't want to deal with it. You know? Um, that's, that's, it is, it's, it's, it's humbling yourself and, and being vulnerable and taking the initiative. That's like you said, it's a, it's a skill learned mm -hmm. because us guys aren't that way. Right. I mean, if, if this, you know, if we're talking as women, I mean, women have an easier time, uh, at this, it seems. So we, we need to work on that. That's, a, that's a skill that we need as men to really embrace. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just to, uh, to finish off on that, I think, you know, your point that, yeah, we can feel like, you know, another excuse is like, well, we don't have anything in common. And that's right. where, you know, I'm not trying to suggest, Hey, sit down for someone for 75 minutes. You've never met. That's awkward. That's really hard. Right. But as you have these small initiations with people, you know, kind of like what you've done with, with, you know, clients, is you've learned what they like and what they don't like. You learn what teams they follow, they don't follow. You you learn different things about them. And so just having these small initiations over time can turn into a lunch. It can be, hey, man, I just love talking to you about, you know, uh, baseball. We should go grab a beer sometime and, and talk more about that. And right. so so that's kind of the deal. It's, it's take those small steps, but let them grow into bigger steps. But what's behind each of those steps is initiating is asking those yeah. questions, following up on those questions, letting it grow over time, then taking the next step. Let's grab a, a grab a beer together. Or, hey, let's go watch a game together. Or let's, and that's where the, it honestly leads to the, the next principle. I think that that's important is that we have to flex more, not just initiate more. We got to flex more. In other words, we got to be patient because relationships do take time. You know, if we have a high expectation that uh, we're going to be somewhere in two days with this person, because we're so lonely, uh, we'll get frustrated and we'll take it out on them or we'll lose hope. And we just got to be flexible. It takes time to discover the kinds of common interests that you have. It takes time to bond with people. Um, you know, like I said, with uh, the guys we're getting to know, um, it's been little thing by little thing by little thing. You know, one, one guy in, invited me, uh, he's got a really neat setup at his house and um, I've been getting to know him and just trying a little conversation after little conversation. And he doesn't live that far from me. And so one night he said, man, this is, it's fun chatting with you from time to time. We should do this more. Why don't you come over? Let's, I, I got a little place in my, 
property. We can hang out and have a scotch and a cigar and just talk a little bit. And I thought, man, that was really cool. You know, it's like he initiated back. I just, it took time. It took patience. And right. that's an important part too. Absolutely. That patience and, and expectations, yeah. managing your expectation in that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not thinking, just like you said, just, I, I mean, not thinking that you're going to hit a home run mm-hmm. every time you get up, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, just, you know, get a base hit, yeah. just, you know, but yeah, being flexible. I mean, <laughs> that's something that we all have a hard time with in, in general. Yeah. I mean, cause especially when you get to, to this age, you, you, you feel like, you feel like, uh, you've had a lot of life experience and, and you think, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you're, you know, about a lot of different things. You have a lot of philosophies on, on, um, everything. Yeah. And, um, and not that you, you, you you have to be dogmatic about everything, or I'm not saying everybody's dogmatic about everything, but, but leaving room for flexibility mm-hmm. and patience mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, you know, what we talked about earlier too, in, in, in the sense that um, talking to somebody that doesn't have uh, the same interests as you right. learn something. Right. I mean, like uh, Julie and I went to a uh, a farm out in you know about uh, twenty minutes from here, mm-hmm. and um, learned about farming. Mm-hmm. I mean about pasture raised beef and stuff like that. And initiating with people with other interests to learn something new. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's and then allow that patience. Allow allow for room for learning and growing and, and, and that kind of thing. I, I really like that. Yeah. And I think what's, what's um, great about that is you can explore it together, you know, and I, th- I think just, um, you know, cause um, marriage and being close to somebody is another part for, for guys, another part of the relationship. It's like, you know, my, my wife and I, our oldest is in college. Our second is a senior in high school and our third is a sophomore in high school. So we're little by little getting closer to empty nest type stuff. And yes. it's so interesting that we're going to have to all of a sudden say, who are you? And, and what are you doing here? And what, what do you like to do? And, and we can stay so busy again, playing a different game that the game of our marriage now needs more attention. And part of that is saying, okay, how do we explore new things together? How do we try new things together? And how do we give each other the space to say, I, I didn't really like that. You know, we went, we went, <laughs> we went snowshoeing as a family up here at Christmas time. And, you know, I'm trying to find ways to explore new things that our family can do. And someone told us they'd tried this. And so we went, my daughter was home for Christmas and I had high expectations. I just wanted everything to be just, just incredible family bonding and great memories and laughs and cheering and all kinds of stuff. And after about 30 minutes into the snowshoeing, everybody has this horrible attitude. It's just like, this sucks, dad. Why are we doing this? You know, we're just walking in circles in the woods. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting further and further frustrated. Um, but the thing was, it's now it's become a funny thing to laugh at because it, it yes. really wasn't fun. But we tried something new. <laughs> we we did something. We we know we're not snowshoe family, but we tried it. And and that's the idea that you're saying too. It's just I'd be flexible, be willing to try some new things, have some patience to let it play out a little bit, you know. Um, don't draw your conclusions way too soon. 
And I think that's where it can become harder on the friendship side for guys, because after four or five questions, we're like, oh, we got nothing in common. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, maybe you're being too quick on this guy, you know, try some other topics, try some other things, find something. And, And when you find something he's interested, if you're not interested in it, explore it. Exactly. And I think this is one of the things that's harder in our culture today is that we don't like differences. You know, we, we don't handle differences very well. You know, you look at the crazy stuff going on in the political world. It's like people don't listen to each other. That if we don't have the exact same viewpoint, we can't have a relationship. And one of the things yes. that I've loved to do um, lately is to try to find places where I disagree with people and really say, man, I see that so differently. Tell me why you think that. Yeah, and just that in itself is now a relationship. We're exploring, where it's a, it's a different kind of relationship, but we're going to find places of connection. But it's being willing to be flexible and patient, and pursue some of those differences um, that I think makes those relationships uh, develop, last longer, and be really, really rich. Yeah, I, I you know when you were mentioning that, I was thinking about how myopic we get. Uh-huh. I mean, we've lived. You know, I'm 57. You're close to that, and we've lived in 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 this bubble or with very limited vision about the world, mm-hmm. and, and and we just we just operate in this tunnel of of what we know and like, and everything else is uh, just out there, and we don't know a lot about it because it's different mm-hmm. and uncomfortable and that kind of thing. And, and like you said, it's, it's, um, finding, you know, some, some other thought or, or, uh, experience that you don't have and explore yeah. it. And wh- we get so trapped in this that we never explore different things. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole world out there and, and us men get so, uh, you know, just myopic. Yeah. It just we we have no vision, yeah. and and here's a time. You know, y- you've spent half your life doing the same things over and over. Let's try something different, and and how fun it would be just to to take ourselves outside of who we are typically mm-hmm. and explore. Yeah. And I, I really like that what you, what you're saying. Yeah, you know this this came home to me because. Um... Uh, I've been trying to connect with my son as he's moving towards graduation and uh, just some other things going on and busyness. And I said, man, I love, let's go out to lunch. And he's trying to eat healthier and better. And, you know, we used to grab a burger once in a while, but he really has come into liking sushi. And I hate sushi. I, I mean, I tried it and I tried a bad version of it. You know, it is when you, you try a bad version of something that stays with you forever. I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, how can you eat sushi? That is just, that's just nasty, you know? And so I tease him a little bit, but I began to realize he really likes sushi and he doesn't want to go get a burger and fries. So I got to kind of own up to this and say, look, if I want a relationship with my son, I got to stop being selfish and being, you know, just a, a namby pamby really and say, go have sushi with your son, you know? Yeah. And so he was like, well, dad, the reason you don't like it is you haven't had good sushi. And I'm like, son, that's an oxymoron. Good and sushi don't <laughs> go together in my world. And he said, well, right. he goes, you just, you need to try a different place. So uh, just about three weeks ago, we went out and went to sushi and it's a little higher end, you know, it wasn't the dollar 50 a plate, you know, that I've, right. um, and we sat right in front of the guy who made it and man, it was a work of art. And he ordered, my son ordered for us. We got three different types 
and he walked me through it and it was amazing. I mean, I've now think there is good sushi, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's because I, I was willing to say, okay, what's most important is to hang with my son, try something that I really don't want to do. And it turned out great. So I, I like what you said that sometimes it's just us being stuck in the mud because we've been doing it, living a certain way for 50 some years. It's like, be willing to change, be flexible, you know, and you will be amazed at a lot of the things out there that we never knew existed. And we get to do it with people. That's the thing. I got to enjoy a time with my son and uh, it, it's just something we're going to go back to. So it's pretty fun that way. Yeah. Imagine yourself um, pushing yourself to go to that sushi place by yourself. Oh yeah. You'd, you'd never do I, that. I never would. And I, and I, yeah. And if, if I liked it, I'd say, Hey, every, who would I share it with? You know? Hey, yeah. one other thing I just want to say that I think is also just true of this. That's also very difficult is that, um, you know, we run into this a lot in talking to people about marriages, but one of the ways this principle of flexing more becomes very important is with step families. And I think there's guys who get later in their life and they're on a second marriage and they're, you know, they're now as a stepdad and they want it to go quicker than it can. And they want it to be closer than it is. And sometimes that's just really difficult because you can feel like, wow, I'm always the outsider. I'm the outsider. I'm the outsider. And I think one of the things that we've seen that for the people who can really be patient and really be flexible and really try to build the relationships like we've talked about with their stepkids, that over time, they really start to have a better connection. Now, it's not the same as a biological connection, but it's so much better. But we find that there are stepdads, especially, who get frustrated that they don't have the kind of relationship or influence in their stepkids' lives the way they want. And it's like, how long is it going to take? Or, you know, I've, I've been married to their mom now for a year and it, we should be at a different place. And that doesn't happen. And so I just think that's a very, very important idea that people have to remember, uh, especially for guys that, uh, again, it's be flexible, it's be patient and let those relationships develop as you do things. All right. And think about, I think about the agenda with that. Yeah. What is the most important thing here? Is this how I'm feeling and I'm feeling neglected because he doesn't like me or, uh, you know, my stepkid is, you know, he, he doesn't acknowledge me and it's, well, he doesn't acknowledge me. I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to him mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And, and putting that aside, mm -hmm putting your self need for acknowledgement and being recognized by him and understand that kid needs to, needs to be recognized mm -hmm. and praised and that kind of thing. And I think as, as you know, speaking from experience with my stepkids is how selfish is it for me to need and want acknowledgement and have uh, require of him to to like me and express that and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. versus putting uh, my self aside and acknowledging and give him what he needs mm -hmm. to grow and foster a good relationship. And it's it it, it goes back to you know uh, the selfishness and and you know, our need to wanting to be recognized and that kind of thing. But we got to realize that, you know, you, you're, you're a, a grown ass man mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and they're developing 
And, you know, whether they're teens or, or, or younger or e- even in their 20s, and they need to be fostered more than you do. Mm-hmm. And so um, giving yourself to that, speak to that for me. Well, you really right? hit the nail on the head, man. That's And that's where I'm at right now with teenagers, you know. Uh, my teenagers don't want to listen to anything I have to say. <laughs> right. And it's like, I, I think I have some things to say, you know, I've been around the block a few times, you know, I, I kind of, I can see where you're going. I can see how this is going to end and, and they don't want to hear about it, you know? Right. And I think the the thing is, is I find myself oftentimes feeling um, hurt that they're not listening or they're not taking my advice or they won't even let me make a comment, you know, or when I make something, they're grumpy. And, and like you said, it really becomes about me. It's like, I I want all my kids to say, oh my gosh, my dad's the wisest, smartest man who's ever lived. He's the most loving human being. I want praise for my children. I want my, uh, my identity to come from this idea that I'm a killer dad and my kids will spend all day telling you about how amazing I am. And it's like, that's not happening. You know, they're teenagers. And so you're right. If I'm trying to get my needs met through my children of significance, that's a dangerous game. It's really dangerous because I'm going to force them to be a certain way. I'm going to really um, be hard on them. I'm going to be disappointed in them. You know, I, I feel that feel that right now um, with uh, our daughter who were in the state playoffs and uh, our team is made to the Sweet 16 and, you know, we're ranked number one in the state here in Oregon. And she's a great player. She really is. I don't know anything about basketball, but I know about perfectionism and I know she struggles with it. And so I'm wanting to share something with her that will be that piece of advice that my dad shared with me that made all the difference in the state tournament. And I've just got to lower those expectations. I've just got to think, what is it that my daughter needs? Like you said, you know, what is it that they need? And um, speak into that for them and try to really be there for them and get myself out of the equation. And that's, you know, we, we can come back to that, but that's the, that's the trickiest thing about relationships is that you know, we said earlier, we all want and need that. And then to be in a moment where we say, you know what, I'm going to choose to not get that from my kids. The question remains, where will I get it? Because if we play right. this game, we keep thinking, well, I'll get it primarily from my spouse or I'll get it primarily from my kids. Well, they're hit and miss. They, they don't, they don't deliver for us all the time. Right. And, uh, right. and that's where there's this, there's these times of discomfort or sadness or I wish my daughter would listen to me and I wish we were connected over this. And that separation feels weird. It feels bad. Uh, it feels like something's wrong. And that's where I honestly, there's times I just want to say, forget it, kids. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not. And, and right. I just, I'm, I'm acting like a little kid. You know, you, you're not going to give me the praise for my insight. So I'm going to leave. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to talk to you again. Like, how mature is that? Right. But it's 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 in my heart, you know. Yeah, that's that's it's dangerous, yeah. you know, yeah. because that's you know, and and there's, I'm sure a lot of people out there that go through that, and their their kids won't l- listen to their wonderful sage advice, yeah. and so I'm gonna, I'm I'll show you, mm-hmm. and I won't talk right. to you, and and there there becomes this this disconnect mm-hmm. in this chasm between you and them and what does that serve yeah. you know are you are you i mean like you said it's, it's acting like a baby yeah. and 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 not a a grown person 
understanding the situation. Yeah. And, and of course, they're going to have a hard time praising you because they have the same feeling mm. that you do, that you, they want to be acknowledged. And it's hard to give somebody else praise and acknowledgement. Right. It's, you know, you have to humble yourself to yeah. do that. And they're not mature enough to do right. that yet. And so, I mean, that's part of the, the training process. We have mm -hmm. to, to, to uh, hopefully instill in them is that humility and vulnerability and say, you know, it, it doesn't cost you anything to praise somebody mm -hmm. or to acknowledge somebody. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take any of your worth mm -hmm. away. Well, and, I, and, and to your point too, it's just, I, I think that's where we as men need to kind of go inside to say, how can I give to my kid right now? You know, how can, how can I be a, a bigger person or more mature person um, and give to them in this moment? You know, I just think of guys laying down their lives and sacrificing for others. And, you know, those are those key moments. And it's easier with our kids than with our spouses, in my opinion. But it's still difficult. It's, it's saying I'm willing to give something and I know I'm not getting anything back. But that's kind of what yeah. guys do. You know, guys do hard things. And uh, part of that is to give you know, be an emotional provider as well as a physical and financial provider and to give our kids what they need in that moment, even if I get no credit, no recognition, no nothing. So there's a certain level of maturity that comes with that. But there's also, you know, when we start to get down the road a little bit, I think there's also a certain sense of satisfaction because what we'll find is that we'll have a relationship with our children. That even yes. though in that moment it didn't feel great, we've stayed connected to them. So when they're in their 20s and even early 30s, we have a good relationship with them. And I think that's what's hard is that when we get older as guys and we've burned a lot of bridges with our kids, that's the part that really hurts. And that's where, again, it's those yeah. skills. It's like, how are we practicing this idea of being flexible with our kids, being patient with our kids and other relationships? Because we're making investments that over time are going to keep getting better or they're going to get worse if we don't make them. All right. I think you brought up a good point is, is what do they need at that yeah. time? And, and, and really a stepping aside from yourself or, or this, and if you can be objective mm -hmm. and say, what is it? Just like you mentioned, and this happens so much in athletics, the dad is, is, is some, you know, he's trying to coach from the stands and his kids trying to listen to the to their coach and to you and at some point um somebody has to come to the parent and say they already have mm -hmm. a coach they just want a dad yeah. you know and 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 really um assessing that situation what is my kid do, do they need another coach telling them how to play basketball or that they didn't you know shoot well enough in that game and, and that kind of thing or do you do you, are you asking yourself, what does my child need from me as the parent and um, acknowledging that and, and, and saying, they just need mm -hmm. my love and acceptance and everything's going to be okay. Because who, who else is going to do that for them? If you're, if they have a bunch of coaches and, and no loving parent. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Well, and it just reinforces that, What's most important to you is that um, you're loved and cared for. It's not that you're the best player on the team or the smartest kid in the class. It's just that I love you for who you are. I want to be in relationship with you, with all your imperfections, with all the things that you 
wish you could do better, um, all that stuff. And that's where it goes back to that bigger need that we all want to be known and loved and accepted, even through our failures, even through, you know, we're, we're not at our potential yet or all that stuff that someone's with us on the journey. They don't just like the finished product. If it's, you know, if it meets their expectations, they, they want to be with us on the journey. And, you know, so you've made a great point, you know, the coach can't be the dad. You're, you're the dad, you know, that's, that's a very yeah. unique thing that you get to be. And so keep practicing that with, with these, you know, these principles, initiating with your kids and being flexible with them, patient with them and let that relationship grow as well. Right. In that, you know, that, that phrase, I believe in mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of yeah. thing. I just, I just saw that yesterday. Um, when somebody, uh, I can't remember what I was listening or, or watching. And they said that made all the difference when that person told them that they believed yeah. in them. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm faced with right now this weekend. I'm, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to communicate to my daughter about uh, their playoff game. And I'm just hoping that I can communicate in a way that is meaningful to her, you know, um, that I'm not trying to use it to say, I believe in you. So go out and make 40 points a game, <laughs> you know, <that> kind of thing. <laughs> but just really yeah. say that this is how I see you. I don't, I don't know how you see yourself, but this is how I see you. And I really believe in you. And that, like you said, Steve, that's powerful. That's really powerful to, to have someone say that to us and to believe that. And again, that comes through a person. It comes to a relationship and uh, yes. And I think, I think it's important to, to say, just like you said, is I believe in you not to make 40 mm-hmm. points or be the best player on the mm-hmm. court, but I believe in mm-hmm. you and the character you are and how you play the mm-hmm. game and with respect and for the, for the, uh, for the referees mm-hmm. and your teammates and that kind of thing. That's, what I believe in you yeah. for, um, and 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 really who you are, and 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 not so much who wh- you know what you're mm-hmm. doing, because that's modeled for us, you know, uh, by by yeah. God and yeah. Jesus. Yeah, you know? it wasn't anything that we've done. They, he loved us before and while we're our ugliest, yeah. and and that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, I I, I think that there's um, um, what what kind of rounds us all out, you know, in the sense of initiating more and flexing more. I think there's one other thing that, that we have to work on and, and keep another skill, and that's the, the this idea of forgiving more. And the thing is, you know, we all know that relationships can hurt. You know, people can say things to us that, that go deep and hurt. They can not call us back when we call them. They can... Um, you know, tease us when about something that we're really sensitive about. There, there's just all, all kinds of ways that we can get hurt. And if we don't know how to forgive people, um, we're going to be in a world of hurt because our expectations are so high that it's hard to connect with anybody. They have to be too perfect for us. Uh, we can't let go of some of the ways that they haven't come through for us. And, uh, it is, it's one of the most difficult things for me to do is to learn how to forgive. Um, but I know that if I don't, I'm just going to keep grudges. You know, it's like a, somebody once said that holding a grudge is uh, drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You know, it, it doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. And uh, all wow. we're doing is filling our heart with bitterness and resentment and anger. 
And that keeps us from operating really well as human beings. You know, we're, we're going to carry that bitterness and um, anger in a lot of different areas of life. And if we can learn how to let people go of the way they've failed us, and if we can also learn how to lower our expectations, because sometimes, you know, we feel hurt because our expectations are way too high. But uh, I was talking with a guy the other day, we grabbed a beer to talk about his marriage. And, um, you know, he's been married for almost 43 years. And he and his mm-hmm. wife have just been going after it, you know, just really arguing a lot and um, just really short with each other and cussing and all kinds of stuff. And and I was listening to him and, you know, I'm trying to identify, you know, hey, yeah, it sounds like that didn't go well. And I could see your point here and there. And But my question to him was, you know, you've been married for 43 years. You're 65. I said, how do you want to end this thing? How do you want to, how do you want to end your life? Right. You know, do you want to be, do you want to get divorced because you can't learn how to live and forgive each other and be 70 and 75 and 80 and, you know, have to share the grandkids and die alone and all that kind of stuff. And, and I wasn't trying to say, you don't have an issue you have to solve. I was trying to say is think of the big picture. We get stuck in the middle of our pain and we just went out of the pain when we need to be asking ourselves, what do I want for the long term? It's like, I want to get through the pain and stay together and keep working on this relationship. And that's what I was trying to help him to think about is like, look, yeah, you've got stuff you got to talk about, but you've got to learn how to keep forgiving her and letting her go and keep working on getting better. Cause if you don't, you're going to just build up all this anger and resentment and just say, screw it. I'm out of here. And you're going to blow everything up and you don't just blow up your marriage and your history together, but you blow up the relationship with your kids and grandkids and other things. And so it was good for us to talk about that. But I, I know that was something he was struggling with is how do I forgive my wife? And, um, and kind of, it's amazing after 43 years, you'd think he would have that down. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, and this goes to kind of the earlier point, it's just because for so long he hasn't been practicing that. That's yeah. not the game he's been playing. He's been playing all just stuff it, all just stuff it. Ah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal, you know. And this is, you know, even for mm-hmm. me, you know, my wife and I were in some counseling for a while about our marriage. And, you know, one of the things the counselor said to me is, Ben, you got to show up more. <laughs> I kind of disappear. You know, I don't like conflict. I don't want to say something that might rattle some feathers. Um, and that's where as a man, I have to grow up kind of like uh, one of the Navy SEALs you said about being accountable. It's just, look, I have thoughts and feelings that I need to share in a relationship and it might cause some conflict at times, but if I don't, I'm just stuffing everything. I'm becoming passive and sooner or later that just blows up. And I think what this guy's experiencing is he's been stuffing stuff for about 40 years. So now it's starting to finally come out, but it's coming out with real heat and real poison Yeah, because I'm sure you see that a lot when you're, when you're on the weekends, when you're, um, speaking to people oh, yeah. and yeah, um, it's, it's gotta be one of the top things that you people are dealing with is, is the lack of forgiveness. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. I, I remember one night uh, we were at a conference and um, had just gotten started on a Friday night. And um, um, so I'm on the first break and this guy comes up to me. It's not like, hi, welcome to Arizona. And nice to have you here as a speaker. He's just like, oh, my wife's in the bar. He just immediately starts talking to her bad about her man, I knew I shouldn't have come to this thing because she's, she's, she's off drinking again. You know, she didn't even finish the first sentence. She's out there at the bar. She's drinking. And you can hear all the anger and resentment. Now, a lot of it's justified, I bet. It really is because of probably the way he's been treated. 
but man, they came there that weekend on the verge of collapse. And, um, he was just really frustrated because he's been through this so many times. And that's, what's hard about forgiveness. It's just like, we think, okay, I forgive him once or twice. I should be done. And it's like, no, we live with another human being who's going to keep hurting us. And so through yeah. the weekend, he had to learn, okay, how do I forgive her again? But how do I also learn how to talk about this differently and set some boundaries? But even setting those boundaries and working differently on their marriage requires forgiveness to not hold all those past drunk episodes against her and in a sense, start, start new. And that's just, it, it's, in, in many ways, it's kind of miraculous to be able to do that. Um, and, uh, I, I, but I think it's important because if we don't, we're going to, as guys, we're going to grow old and be bitter. You know, we're going to die alone. Um, and, uh, if we mm-hmm. would just stop and reflect on that a little bit, I don't think any of us wants to die a bitter, old, lonely man. I don't, I know you don't. Mm-hmm. And so that means, okay, who are some relationships I need to repair? And, and it's interesting. We even see this too in, in our seminars and stuff, conferences with parents and their kids. Because we'll do a guy session and <clears throat> talk about being a husband and a dad. And it's interesting how many guys have a bad relationship with their dad. Um, they've just historically grown up with one. And the thing that we try to say is that, guys, you can start over right now. You can call your son right now and you can own what was your junk and apologize and say, son, I'm sorry for not being there for you. I'm sorry for what this happened. I'm sorry for what I said. Will you forgive me? And that's mm-hmm. the first step that we can take. It's a tough step, but it's a practical first step that we can take to start to restore relationship and start to repair those things. Because if we don't, they're just going to stay stuck. And um, so learning to forgive and ask for forgiveness is really a really important principle. Is ask uh, uh, is forgiving somebody a one-sided coin? Uh, I guess it depends a little bit on how you mean that. Um, you know, for that guy in the bar, you know, he, he needs to forgive his wife for how she keeps ignoring him and not honoring his request to stay out of the bar and all that stuff. Um, and I think what's hard is that if he doesn't see change right away, it's hard to keep forgiving. So he's kind of one-sided giving it that way. That's why he has to work Mm -hmm. on reconciling. He has to work on boundaries. He has to work on other things. But he can only he can control whether or not he's going to keep giving her another chance and keep forgiving her. So I kind of say, yeah, but tell me more what you're thinking. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was wondering is, is it it's a humility and a vulnerability to 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 forgive somebody. And and if you are forgiving to um, get something back, okay, I'm going to forgive you. And I, w- I want to see some change out of you because I'm forgiving you versus I forgive you and I can't control if you're going to do this right. again. You know right. what I mean? So you're, 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 you're putting yourself out there to forgive somebody mm-hmm. and, and, and really um, putting yourself, in, you know, out there to get stepped on yeah. again over and over and over. And, and how long can you, like you said, how long can you keep doing Mm -hmm. that without just giving up and saying, screw this this isn't Mm -hmm. working? Well, it's not working because you have expectations that she's going to change in a certain amount of time. And, and so it it seems to me and, and, and help me with this, but uh, 
we have to forgive without expectation in a sense. Is that right? It, it, it is. And I think there's, uh, but again, it's, it's to qualify because it's like, again, we're talking, and, and there's different levels of relationships, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, a spouse who's experiencing gross irresponsibility, like, you know, the, the husband or wife is drinking all the time, you know, um, that's a tough place to be in, you know, to just forgive and not have uh, conversations or expectations or ways to work through that. Um, is not going to be completely healthy, but, mm-hmm. but forgiveness has to be a part of it. It has to be a part of, okay, you got drunk again. I'm going to forgive you, but we got to talk about this and I've got to set up some boundaries and, and I'm probably getting in over our heads a little bit on, on this length of podcast or something like that. But I'd agree that forgiveness has to be a part of that. It, it has to be a sense of I'm forgiving you knowing they might do it again. So how do I keep moving towards them and keep forgiving, but keep finding ways to get better and work on this? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the part. And I and I think on on lesser known things, or, or not lesser known, but you know things that aren't as as um, uh, dramatic, weighty. yeah, or weighty. You know, mm-hmm. my wife knows that. You know, when she asks me to do something in the yard, I say yes, and I forget about it all the time. You know, it's like oh, mm-hmm. you know. It's that kind of stuff that's also really aggravating. But my wife needs to keep learning to say, you know what? He doesn't remember things that well. So I'm going to forgive him. And I'm going to just know this is part of him. And I just going to have to build some tolerance. But I've also going to learn better ways to remind him. And I have to learn how to maybe not ask him to do nine things. Maybe just ask him to do one thing. <laughs> you know. Right. So, But she's going to have to keep learning how to forgive me. Because when I say yes and don't follow through, she has a right to be mad. And, um, mm-hmm. But, you know... She, um, yeah, so she's got to keep moving towards me. She's got to keep forgiving. And hopefully, you know, and this is the, the beauty of forgiveness. If, if we experience it, like when I experience her being gracious towards me, it makes me want to change. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't right. mean that my change is predicated upon whether or not she forgives me. I have to change because I need to do the right thing. But it becomes a mm-hmm. little easier when the person I'm in relationship with forgives me, understands me, accepts me, but still wants me to get better. They believe in me to be better. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, but that's why it's, like I said, this is a harder one. It's a much harder one. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, it's just speaking more personally, um, you know, this is where my faith becomes so important. You know, not, not everyone shares this, but, um, you know, I understand that there's certain ways that God wants me to live as a human being that I haven't lived. And I haven't, I haven't done very well in certain areas of my life. And when I really take inventory with that, and when I really think of the people I've hurt, and even when I think of, uh, you know, how I treat God, if I believe he exists and respect that he gave me gifts and abilities and time and talent and pleasures and all kinds of things, when I look at how I treat him, I can be a real idiot. And um, I think to be more accurate and honest is I can be, <laughs> I should say it. I, should, I can be a real jerk. I'll say that. I want to say something else. Right. And when I sit for a while and think of what I've done to others and how God's forgiven me and how I've treated God and the fact that he's forgiven me. Now I, I look at forgiveness a little differently. I look at the person who's hurt me and I go, you know what? I, I know what it's like to need forgiveness because I'm somebody like that. And even though it might not be completely easy at the moment, I can say, God, you've forgiven me. Will you help me forgive this person? Because I, I know mm. what it's like to be wrong and separated 
and out of relationship. And I know what it's like to feel bad about that. And I, and I know what it's like to have someone reach out to me and say, you know what? I forgive you. I still love you. And I think we can get better. So that's where I think these kinds of things are harder. And it, you know, it strikes to even some of the bigger themes we've talked about. You know, I was, I was made for a relationship with God. When my spouse can't come through for me, God can. When my kids can't come through for me, God can. When my business dealings can't come through for me, you know, God can. So the more I cultivate a relationship with him, you know, if that's my deepest need, then that helps all these other relationships and other needs that we're talking about. But, you know, that's, that's how my faith has really helped me a lot, put a lot of these relationship things together um, and, and try to get better at them. Yeah. It it goes back to your identity too. And, and uh, being people of faith um, is, is understanding that your spouse and your kids and stuff can't give you your ultimate need. No, they can't. Only God can fulfill, can fulfill that. And so when we're looking to our kids and our spouse to complete Mm -hmm. me or something like that, they weren't made to do that. They, they don't have the, (laughs) they don't have the power or the skills or, 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 you know, the, divine grace mm-hmm. to do that. And we're looking to them for something yeah. they can't do. And they're always going to fail at that. So when we understand our identity and um, uh, understand that only God can fulfill this part, and he does, he's given us everything we need for life mm-hmm. and godliness, everything, then um, to look at our spouse and say, well, you're, you're not fulfilling mm-hmm. this part yeah. is just wrong. We can, we can love her knowing that um, we're fulfilled completely by God and, um, and understand that she's, she's not there to complete right. that part. I mean, it's just not part of who right. she is. Yeah. And it's, uh, can you speak to that? Well, yeah, and I think that's the the idea is that, you know, and, and what makes this even more difficult is that we live in a culture that has this idea of what's called a soulmate. In other words, that you'll have a romantic yes. relationship that meets every single need and dream that you have. You know, they'll understand you perfectly. And it it, it taps into the need and desire that every one of us has to be known and loved perfectly. But it says you really can find it in another person out there. And if you can't, then keep looking, get rid of the one you're with and and keep looking. Or they make it an entirely sexual Mm -hmm. thing that it's just a sexual experiences will give you the feelings that you want. So um, do as many things as you can sexually. And, and I just don't think that's true. I just don't think that one person, like you've said, can meet all of our needs um, because they're a person who also has needs. So it's like we need somebody who, in a sense, has no needs, you know, that we can draw everything from um, because they're able to give something to us. And our spouses from time to time can help us in those times to time. You know, they can be kind and thoughtful and meaningful and make compliments and all kinds of things, but they can't do it deep enough or long enough. And that's where, you know, if we're looking to our spouse or our children to make our life matter and be significant and make us feel loved all the time, we're just in a world of hurt because we weren't made for that. You know, that's, yeah. and that's where it just goes back to a, you know, some more thinking about what we are as human beings. You know, what's interesting, if you kind of go down the road of, of evolution, 
then it's the survival of the fittest. And it's just like, sorry, you don't have a great life. You're, you know, you, you're, you're not strong enough. So your, yours is your relationships are bad. I can't help you there, <laughs> you know, but the other idea right. is that, no, there's a God who made us and loves us and made us to be people who have relationships. But the most important relationship that he's made is for us to have one with him. And when, so like I say, when I try to find my God needs from my wife, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. Right. And uh, there's human needs right. that I need to get from my wife that I can't get from God. And, but there's God needs I need to only get from him. And, and figuring out what those are every day is not easy. I would just say that it's not easy, but it's, it's good for me to keep remembering that, you know what, that maybe in this moment I want to be perfectly understood. I know God perfectly understands me but my wife doesn't. And I got to sit with that tension for a while and not throw her under the bus and forgive her for being human, but hold on to the idea that, but somebody knows me. Somebody still understands me. Somebody still loves me. Even though this moment, I'm not getting it from this human being. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's what we have to keep cultivating. We have to um, keep um, embracing that reality. When I was doing some, some counseling to sort through some issues for my life, there was a counselor that said, you know, what's important in life is he says, you have to drop the ideal and accept the real. And I think that's a lot of what it is, is that I can't hold on to this ideal notion that my wife can do everything for me. And if she doesn't, I have a right to be mad. I've got to say that the ideal is God. Only God can understand me perfectly. Um, and accept my wife for who she is. She's a person who's really, really good, but she's got problems and failures just like me, but she's getting better. The more we grow as a couple, the better we're getting if we practice these principles. So uh, I just had to accept it for what it is. It's not, it's not perfect, but it's growing and I need to keep investing. Yeah. I think uh, putting a bow on this podcast, I would, I, I think you, said something that really struck me is this area or, or time of our life, this season of our life, the ideal versus mm -hmm. the real and throwing that ideal away, really that, and to be real. And you know, we talked about being vulnerable and mm -hmm. looking in the mirror and taking ownership and, and saying, yeah, our relationships aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's what makes them fun and exciting and stuff. If they were mechanical, perfect and mechanical and, and um, you know, w w without any issue, that seems to me be yeah. kind of boring and, and, and uh, robotic in that kind of thing. And I think w we haven't, we're, we're people that uh, are um, experiential mm -hmm. and, and we need to understand that they're, it, it really it goes back to under understanding our, our identity and the the view mm -hmm. of the world that we are mm -hmm. broken people and and to to acknowledge that in yourself first and then other people makes it a lot easier to forgive accept and be more mm -hmm. flexible and initiate all those those skills that you're you've been talking about and man so put a put a bow on it for me 
um, this last part of this podcast and just wrap this up for us, Dan. Yeah. Um, You know, just along that similar line, there's a a psychologist that I read that I really appreciate. His name is M. Scott Peck, and I wrote a book called Mm -hmm. The Road Less Traveled. And he said that mental health is a dedication to reality at all costs. And what I love about that is it's just going to your um, Navy SEAL guys. It's just that it's really having a sober awareness of what, where you are in life. And that's where we've been talking that, you know, if you're a guy that's kind of struggling some of your relationships, you got to own that. You know, you got to own the fact that you want better relationships and you got to be real about that. And I think you also got to be real about just taking ownership of certain skills. You got to practice, you got to play a different game. Um, but I think we've been trying to suggest, too, that, you know, I think part of that ownership and reality, at least from our perspective, you know, that you're made for something bigger than just human relationships. And if we're trying to get all of our meaning and significance out of our human relationships, it'll never happen. We'll have we'll right. have moments where it's great and glorious and fun, but we're going to have long moments where it's not and it's frustrating. And it's those times we want to quit. Yeah. But if we have a connection to a, a God who loves us all the time and understands us all the time that serves as a foundation um, during those tough times, then that's just going to make life that much better. But we've got to own the reality that we're, we're made for relationship with others and with him and do the work and practice, practice, practice. Right. right. And there's a freedom. Yeah. Understanding that we're not perfect. They're not perfect. And we we're free to love yeah. because we have everything that we need yeah. for life and godliness. And there, and I think people are, are they don't embrace that freedom. Mm-hmm. And we need to embrace that freedom to love your spouse, um, you know, unconditionally without the need to feel like, oh, well, they're not loving me in the exact same way, so I'm going to withhold my love right. and that kind of thing. Right. Well, awesome time, Ben. Yeah. Man, I mean, and, and it's funny because you and I do this, mm-hmm. you know, probably once a month or once every couple mm-hmm. months and, and just have these conversations on the phone, yeah. and now we're just doing it on the air yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And um, it's been it's been a great time, Ben. Thank you. Well, I like it. Thanks for inviting me into it. And, and and I just think for people listening, I just think that, you know, we, we've experienced what we've talked about, you know, just staying in touch over time, you know, and flexing with each other. And, you know, hey, I haven't heard from Steve. Let's not get mad at him. Let's forgive and say, hey, we're all busy, you know. So I've enjoyed that long journey with you and hope that people who are listening can really, you know, further their long journeys that they have or meet some new people and start a new journey. Right. And uh, really feel the 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 love that they're designed to uh to feel but yeah man this has been fun what a neat setup you got hey uh how can people get a hold of you and find you and connect with you um they can go to our website uh grad guides g-r-a-d-g-u-i-d-e-s dot org and um if you just kind of go to the author page um that's just a website right now that's designed for part of what we do we help high school kids who are uh, have a faith in high school and want to hold on to that faith as they go off to college. But all my contact information is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you so, on social media and and that kind of thing for uh, people to get a hold of you? I am on Facebook just as Ben Burns uh-huh. and uh, on 
Instagram, I'm at Improv Dad, I-M-P-R-O-V-D-A-D. Mm-hmm. Um, and that at Twitter also. No, at, twi- at Twitter, it's at GradGuider, G-R-A-D-G-U-I-D-E-R. That's Twitter, at GradGuider. Great. We'll put those in the note, the show notes, too, so sure. people can reach out to you if they have questions or want to know yep. where the – where uh, how would they find relationship conferences, uh, uh, marriage conferences? Yeah, the and I should probably make sure that there's an easier link for you to find. Uh, but the conferences we participate in are sponsored by Family Life. Uh, it's called A Weekend to Remember. Uh, actually, Janet and I will be doing a conference in Ventura in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's a couple of conferences, one in Anaheim, one in Irvine, uh, near to some, maybe some of your listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can also post or send those dates to you and stuff with registration information. Sure. Um, but it's familylife.com mm-hmm. is the website. You have to go to marriage events. So I'll just send you some links. Right. And so at this conference, um, it's a it's a weekend conference to to. Uh, to get to know your spouse better, work on things, yeah, develop and, skills. And, uh-huh. And we've been, you know, towards the end here, we've been talking a lot more about some biblical principles. So it's it's trying to look at some of these b- principles we've talked about and how to practice them in your marriage. It's identifying where you're having troubles, identifying what's the big picture of marriage, you know, from from God's point of view. If he made this thing, he knows how it works. And then looking at some practical ways to practice that. And it's over a weekend. It's really nice about it is um, um, there's a date night on Saturday night and you can just really unplug from your life and your kids. And if you can afford the hotel, stay at the hotel and just make it a neat experience with your spouse investing in your marriage. And by Sunday morning, people are really, really in a different place. Matter of fact, that couple that I talked about at the bar, mm-hmm. uh, I told him, hey, you know, if you have to sit completely different spot from her in the ballroom, please stay and hear what we have to say. And the next day I looked for him, couldn't find him anywhere. And the last day of the conference, um, they're seated, t- seated together. He had his arm around her. Ugh. And it doesn't mean that, you know, her drinking is all solved, but it meant that they got the big picture of their marriage and he really wants to keep working. So, you know, that's what's neat. It's a three-day deal. You stay over Saturday and it's just a really meaningful time with your spouse. Wow. That's that's awesome. Well, again, thanks, Ben, and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime. Maybe we can talk about uh, teenagers and going into to college and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand teenagers perfectly. I'd be I'd be great for that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That'd be, that'd be fun. Thanks, Steve. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, and um, uh, God bless you. We'll we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Finishing Strong Podcast. If you've been impacted by what you've heard on this episode, like, comment, and subscribe, and tell a friend. Follow our guests, and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Growing old doesn't have to suck. Join me as I'm Finishing Strong.